It's great to be here today and to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3. Last week, Andrew spoke about the amazing grace that has come to both Jews and Gentiles through the cross of Jesus, reconciling all people to uh, God, but also to each other and different types of people coming together to form a new community, the Church of God. Today we're going to continue that and look at Paul and how he is determined to make this message plain, accessible, known to everybody. Paul was someone who was brought up in a devout family. He was a Pharisee. He was trained to know and memorise and obey everything in the Old Testament. He would have kept himself separate, not just from Gentiles who were definitely way out there, but also from Jews who didn't live up to his standard of righteousness. In Philippians, he calls himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews, zealous, righteous, blameless. And the first time we meet him in the New Testament is in Acts, where he's present at the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was a Christian who was preaching that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that Jesus was the Messiah. And the Jews were angry about the way he was reinterpreting their faith. And so they gathered to stone him. And from that moment, Paul too gets involved with persecuting Christians. He drags them out of their homes and sends them to jail. He gets special authority to travel to Damascus to try and rid the city of these Christian believers. So he's, he's not a nice man at that stage. So as we read chapter three, I want you to notice anything that Paul says about himself and his calling and how he lives his life now. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at the beginning of the chapter. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. What a surprising transformation. Paul, who was the persecutor, becomes the servant. Paul, who had done everything he could to get rid of this faith, is now the person who's willing to be in prison, uh, is willing to be beaten and stoned himself so that people, everyone, might have the opportunity to hear this wonderful message of amazing grace. But how did that happen? Well, when Paul was on his way to Damascus, he had a vision of the risen Lord Jesus. It stopped him in his tracks. He was thrown to the floor. He was humbled. And he goes to Damascus and he waits to try and understand what has happened to him. And an ordinary believer, someone who steps into the picture is Ananias and God whispers to Ananias and says to him, go, go and see this person, Paul, pray with him. And an Ananias would have been just like, no, he, he's out here to kill us. But he decides to go. This is the message that he takes from God. The Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I mean, that in itself is amazing that Paul, right at the beginning, was told that he was to go to the Gentiles, the very people he would have not wanted to have anything to do with. But he's also told that it will cause him suffering. It will cause him pain. And then Ananias, you know, steps back and disappears from the story. And Paul begins his work. And over the next few years, he goes around preaching this gospel, making it plain, making it accessible to everyone, planting churches, planting communities that will demonstrate the love of God and draw other people to him. But he, wherever he goes, he gets into trouble because this gospel is not easy for people to understand. For the Jews, they're like, this is impossible. We thought we were the chosen people. We thought it was all about obeying the Old Testament laws. How can this Jesus be the Messiah? And the Gentiles were a lot. How can we be welcomed into the family of God? You know, you people, you Jews have kept us at a distance for centuries. How, how can we be invited in? And so Paul has a lot of explaining to do uh, to make this gospel understood by all. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find bits of Paul's writing quite hard to understand. And in fact, uh, Peter says this too in 2 Peter, that Paul's letters are sometimes hard to understand. So we don't need to feel bad about that. 
I think often it's because Paul, he just gets carried away with his arguments. He's so full of passion for the gospel and it's like the words tumble out onto the page. Also, he sometimes puts his arguments into words and puts words together that we wouldn't normally associate. And so it needs a little bit of unpacking for us to understand what he's talking about. And here he uses two words, mystery and administration, that I just want to just um, unpack a little bit. He talks about this mystery of the gospel. And what you've got to remember is that the Jews had kind of lost their way a bit in their understanding of the plan of God. Recently, we've been having a bit of a clear out because we, we wanted to replace a wardrobe and a chest of drawers. And so I cleared everything out of them. And, you know, I found tucked at the back of the drawers like a couple of jumpers that I thought had been lost. And in the wardrobe, well, there was all sorts of things that I had put in a safe place to keep them until f future use and had forgotten and lost them. And the Jews were a bit like that. They knew they were the people of God and they knew they had to obey the law of God. But somehow over the centuries, I'm sure in response to the exile and the oppression they faced from Gentiles, they lost the theme that they were called, you know, as Abraham was called, to be a blessing to the other nations. They were, they were called, as Isaiah said in Isaiah 42, to be a light to the Gentiles. They seem to have lost all that. And so it was a mystery to them. And Paul says this mystery has now been revealed through the Holy Spirit to people like him, to the other apostles and prophets in the early church. And that mystery is very clear that God's purpose is that through the gospel, the Gentiles too can be members of one, the one body. They can be sharers together in the promise of God. That was a big deal for the Jews. And for Jewish Christians, they kept kind of slipping into forgetting that that was God's purpose. And for the Gentiles too, they had to, be keep, they had to keep being told that they had a place at the table, that they were included in the people of God. So what about this word administration? Paul talks about the administration that's been given to him. If we look at a couple of other versions, that helps us a little bit. So the ESV talks about the stewardship of God's grace that has been given to me. The New Living Translation talks about the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Administration is a word that can talk about the giving out of something, the applying of God's grace, the dispensing of God's grace. You know, we are, many of us are looking forward to the vaccine for COVID-19 coming on, 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 on track and for us to be able to get back to normal life. But many of us also want to know how that vaccine will be administered. 
because we want to be sure we can trust it. We want to know the research and the background of the vaccine. I'm not talking here about wild conspiracy theories. I mean, we all have a need to know that any medicine is safe and will be effective. And Paul is saying here that the administration of God's grace is important. It's not just understanding God's grace and that the gospel is for everyone. You need to think about how that's going to be dispensed. How is that going to be made known? And Paul comes up with two ways that the grace of God can be dispensed. The first is through the individual. It's the individual that can make that grace known, that gospel known. And Paul says of himself, this grace was given to me. Now we know he's a great evangelist and preacher. He's willing to do whatever it takes. He will persuade people and talk and argue for hours to make that message plain. And sometimes as individuals, we kind of want to leave it to the preachers, don't we? Or to people who write great books about Christianity. And we feel lacking in confidence to be able to share our own faith. But you know, one of the main ways that Paul shared his faith was to just tell his story. And we see that in Acts several times. He just tells his story on the Damascus Road, how he met with Jesus and his life was changed. And each one of us can do that. We can share our story and make plain the gospel of God to everyone we know, we meet, we come in contact with. But it isn't just the individual that's got to share the gospel. There's something about the church, the community of lots of different individuals coming together and demonstrating what the gospel is all about. Now, we needed to get a new chest of drawers and wardrobe, so we went to Ikea. And we went there a couple of Saturdays ago. It was cold, but when we arrived there, there was a queue of about 150 people outside Ikea. Now, there are other shops in that um, row of shops in Greenwich, but only Ikea had a long, long queue. And we joined the queue. And as we were queuing, I was thinking, what is it about Ikea that makes people stand here in the cold go through all those different aisles and hand over their money. And, you know, maybe it's those Swedish meatballs, they're hard to resist, or the candles. Can you actually go to Ikea and not come home with a candle? But for me, it's those little rooms that they create. You know, they have little display rooms which are like your living room or my living room. They're like a flat, like a house. They're, they're kind of normal sized. And in those rooms are everything that make it feel like a home. There's pictures on the walls. There's books in the bookcase. There's, you know, everybody traipses through and the sofas look a bit sat on. And it just feels normal and believable. And you look around and you get ideas of how things fit together and how things could work in your own home. And you know, the church is meant to be like that. We're meant to be a display of God's grace. We're meant to be a demonstration of the manifold wisdom of God so that as people look in on us as a community, 
they learn something about what God is like. They see the grace of God, the good news of Jesus, um, yeah, put into practice in people who meet together and share life together, who give generously to the things of the kingdom, who make meals for those who are hungry, who um, share life and do real life together. It's amazing to think about that, that we as a community can live out something that represents who God is. But you know, Paul goes further than that. It's not just about sharing the message through the church to other people. He says that the principalities and the powers look at the church and see something there. You know, in Colossians, Paul talks about the fact that on the cross, Jesus disarmed the principalities and the powers and he was victorious over them. And when we function as the body of Christ, when we function as a community, we are demonstrating again to the angels and the demons that the grace of God works. It transforms people's lives. It brings victory onto the earth. It creates something that God has been longing for and purposing for and gave his son for. Wow, what an amazing thought that we as a community can display the wisdom and grace and truth of God through ordinary things that we do. You know, God's plan has always been his people. Jesus himself said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God used giants like Paul to spread his message, but he also used ordinary people like Ananias and you and me. When we step towards each other, when we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, then we represent something glorious. But you know, when Paul paints that dramatic vision, he then in the very next verse um, begins to pray. For the church and it's almost like he sees this big vision and then he he drops to his knees because he knows we can't do this in our own strength we just can't we'll we could be like a social club or you know nice people but we can't demonstrate the grace of god without his power and so paul breaks out in prayer and he prays that we would know the power of God and that that power, the power of the Holy Spirit will make known to us the love of God, the height of his love, the depth of his love, the, the breadth of his love that includes everyone because it's only when we're gripped by this passionate love of God that we're willing to truly make it known, to truly sacrifice something that the gospel will be made plain. Because the gospel is still a mystery. It's still 
difficult for people to receive. It isn't just a nice cozy place for people to join. The church has to speak out truth and about justice and about the fact that all of us need to admit that we are sinners and that we have to repent and that we have a need, a desperate need of a saviour. And so it's the love of God that must motivate us. Otherwise we could end up being Pharisees like Paul, judging people or laying down laws that people have to obey. We must be filled to the top with the love of God. Right now, you know, we have to work that out, don't we? We have to work that out practically. We work it out by gathering on Sunday in person. You know, we're lining up those masks and hand sanitizer to make that per, per, you know, possible. We need to meet online. And as we meet in groups, we demonstrate that the people of God, however different they are from each other, can belong together. If you stop meeting in your group, if you've, you know, you signed up, but you never made it, can I encourage you, just step back in. You've got the whole of November, you can join together in a group. And guys, can I make a special request to you? We have many more women in groups than men. And I don't believe you guys fall into the stereotype that you only get together for TV or over a curry. Surely, you can get together with the people of God to look at his word, to pray together, to build community. We all need to do that. We all need to demonstrate God's wisdom and grace through the way we are church together. So in conclusion, let's never forget the amazing grace of God. Let's make that message plain that Jesus died, that anyone and everyone who will put their trust in him can be saved. Let's continue to be the church. Let's meet together. Let's gather. Let's do all those thousands of little gestures that make us a community. The text, the phone calls, the, the, the praying for people, demonstrating love to each other. And let's continue to be rooted in love. Let's be motivated by the love of God. As we conclude this meeting, let's receive again the amazing grace of God. Let's be filled with his love and let's be church together. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your amazing grace that has reached out to each of us, whatever our background, wherever we were in our life's journey. You sought us out, you love us, and you sent your son to die for us. Lord God, we want to be your people. We want to be ready to share our faith. We want to be a community that speaks of your love for the world. God, give us hearts full of your love. Come again to us as we worship this morning. Amen.